Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. And Wendy is with us in studio today. We are going to be circling back on a couple of conversations we've had in the last year or two around full access and inclusivity for people living with disabilities. I'll explain a little bit more of the context in just a moment. Just to say that after the 2.30 news headlines, we'll touch on a case involving a customer who bought technology without opening the box to look at what it actually was and what the ramifications of that decision were. And then I hope we'll have time for a couple of open line questions towards the end as well. Wendy, it's always lovely to have you with us. Welcome. Thanks, Pepper. Good to be here. And I'll introduce our other two guests in studio in just a moment. But let me just first start us off with a little bit of context for today's show. If you've been listening to this segment for a long time, you'll know that we've delved into quite a few issues affecting people living with disabilities in recent years. Most recently, we had the conversation around access to theatres when a wheelchair user flagged for us their experience trying to book tickets to go and watch Trevor Noah at Grand West. And you might recall there was a really happy outcome to that story because our queries around why she was being charged top-tier pricing for herself and her companion actually led to a change of policy by the concert organisers. They agreed to change that system to offer rebates for companion tickets, not just here in Cape Town, but for the entire tour. It was a real win, obviously not just for that customer, but for every other wheelchair user wanting to attend the concert. And we really, really hope that other similar organisations are going to learn from that experience and follow suit. That's one example. I'm also going to remind you of the story of the the wheelchair parking bays at Cape Town International Airport and the listener who wrote in to say how poor compliance was around who was using those designated bays and how apathetic staff were when a complaint was raised. Most recently, you may recall the case of the Airbnb booking for a holiday flat in KZN where the owner told a client on direct inquiry, yes, this property is wheelchair friendly only to have them arrive and be presented with a steep, narrow flight of stairs, which was their only access to the flat. These are the kinds of obstacles that a lot of people are encountering as part of their daily experience navigating the world as a person living with disability. And look, Wendy, hopefully these conversations have done more than just get a couple of refunds for the one or two people who brought their cases to us. We really hope they're going to lead to change, to better policy making, to better compliance uh, with accommodations going forward. Today, though, you want to flip the script a little bit because rather than talking about another complaint of discriminatory or unethical behavior, we want to highlight two local businesses who are trying to do things better and promote better inclusivity. Set the scene for us, Wendy. Tell okay, us yes. Always a pleasure to be able to highlight positive news yeah. of people getting it right. So when we heard about two Capetonians who've done innovative things to make life easier for those with disabilities, we're very, very keen to chat to them. So joining us today in studio are Taryn Tomlinson, who's the founder of Able to Travel, AI-assisted travel app, which provides information about hotels, restaurants, transportation, and activities which are suitable for those with disability. And Jamie Thurston Weinhardt, who is co-founded with MTS Riley, Loop Paratransit e-hailing, an affordable and safe e-hailing platform that makes commuting accessible for people with disabilities. So the exciting news is the two who've known each other for a while but got properly uh, acquainted um, when they were both nominated as Western Cape finalists in the SAB Foundation Disability Empowerment Awards, which were announced in Joburg earlier this month. Terrence, Terrence, sorry, Terrence, able to travel a 
AI's sister Travel App was awarded joint third place, receiving funding and business development support to the tune of 650,000 Rand. And Loop was awarded the development award of 550,000 Rand to invest in that business. Um, They got you out together. We thought it was going to be in a loop, but no. (laughs) (laughs) You you still made it here together. Um, So, yeah, lovely, lovely news. Congratulations to both of you. And uh, we look forward to hearing more now about how your businesses came to be and the impact that they're having. And welcome to Cape Talk. It's great to have you on the show today. Good to be here. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thank you for that wonderful, warm welcome. Thank you. Taryn, I'm looking straight at you, so let me start with you. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about the app. What was the catalyst for setting it up and and what is it intended to do? Perfect. So I am uh, someone who uses wheelchair. I have since about the age of 19 years old, uh, but I'm also someone that loves exploring, loves Mm -hmm. traveling, and loving love loves living life and i suppose as a end user this business idea was born out of the frustrations that myself as a traveler as a person living with a disability goes through mm. uh, such as you know these multitude but such as arriving at a place as you see that said that they're accessible and then finding that they're not yeah. um finding that you know, you can't, you arrive at a restaurant and then you can't find an accessible parking bay. So you've got a mission to, you know, find places. Or there's someone that's parking inside the parking bay so you can't actually use it. Yeah. Uh, apath- apathy, you know, barriers, uh, physical barriers. And, you know, it was just like, well, let's look at trying to create a positive solution. I'm very solutions focused type mm-hmm. of person. And what if we could put the power back in a tourist's hand by or anybody's hand that needs it really, to let you know exactly through geolocation mapping where the most accessible restaurant, bathroom, transportation system, hotel would be within that area. And then also give you access to other kinds of services if you need a carer, if you need accessible transportation. Um, And then just looking holistically at the needs of someone so that people don't feel alone. It's, you know, it's incredibly frightening as a person with a disability in a foreign country Mm. when you are so reliant on your wheelchair, on, you know, on the person that's with you, you out of your comfort zone, even more vulnerable than, than, you know, if you're an able-bodied person. So I really want the app to be that in someone's hand. They should feel safe that whether they need to call emergency or the wheelchair breaks Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That they can get someone to fix it, you know, as need be, um, or if they need transportation, actually accessible transportation. So it's very empowering. It takes that fear yeah. away. Like. You know, it strikes me listening to you. It's it's also such a wonderful incentive for venues to make themselves properly accessible because if you know there is this popular app that tourists are using, and they're going to choose venue A over venue B because Mm -hmm. venue A is properly accessible. That's more incentive for venue B to say, time we installed a wheelchair ramp or added some additional wheelchair parking in the front or you know fixed the 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 barriers that are preventing more people from using this space i mean do you hope it'll have that knock-on impact absolutely you see that that is what we're trying to do is to shine a positive uh, spotlight but also to help educate people that this goes so far beyond uh, disability and this is why we advocate for universal access and universal design universal access and universal design is about how do we design products and premises Mm 
to be accessible to the maximum amount of people without mm. the need for special adaptations. So now we're also looking at senior citizens. Mm. We're looking at parents with young kids because a parent with a pram mm. needs the same access, yeah. entrances and exits mm. as, yeah. as someone in a wheelchair. Parents with young kids, for example, that need a changing room, right? So very often you'll see the wheelchair rooms, well, the, the, the accessible bathroom is often doubled Double as, a, as, 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 as the nappy changing mm. station. So when you look at all of those factors, the, the group of people that it affects is so much greater than mm. what we perceive. Mm. And it's going to continue to get there as we're growing through a global aging uh, mm. population. By the year 2050, the amount of people over the age of 65 would have more than doubled. Wow. Yeah. How long ago did you launch the app, Taryn? Oh no, we're still in the still in, in, in the in yes, production in space. the production yes. of it, and this money is going to help us. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was six hundred and fifty thousand rand. I mean, that's yeah. uh, uh, it, it must be tempting to go. Okay, that's a nice, accessible holiday somewhere. With yeah, I need to go check out Bora Bora. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you're going to plow, plow that back into the development of the app. I believe the the the, the dream also includes creating employment opportunities via um, yes. this app. Tell us more. Absolutely, because the so our business is called Livable. So our actual holding company is called Livable Universal Access Consultants, okay. and able to travel is a travel arm. What we do with Livable is that we help hotels become accessible by guiding them, but then making sure that the environment itself is accessible. What happens then is that managers can then hire persons with disabilities to work within the tourism agencies because now we have accessible mm-hmm. spaces that can accept tourists and visitors with disabilities but they can also now enter or allow persons with disabilities to enter in the workforce within tourism. I think it's so important what you said about including people with disability in the decision making and design process mm. as well. I've, I've cited this example so often until I'm blue in the face. But the, <laughs> the ramp, the, the ramp on the, the the FNB ATM in my neighbourhood, they've got one of those sort of portable ATMs, and it's you know a wheelchair friendly ATM. The ramp is so steep. <laughs> There's no way anybody in an actual wheelchair can navigate it. I can't navigate it as an able-bodied person attempting to walk it up if I've got more than a kitten heel on. Yeah. Um, and you can see immediately this was designed with the best of intentions, mm. but nobody thought to include no. the end user in that process. It happens so often. They design in a fishbowl. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Taryn, it must be incredibly frustrating for it's you to say, extremely. here's somebody who was prepared to make the effort, who had the budget to commit to doing yeah, exactly. it, and then didn't take the basic step of saying... Let's ask the person who's going to use it what they think. And this is why we have a slogan within disability rights. It says nothing about us without us. Yeah. And you would find that that I come across incredible amounts of arrogance uh, amongst people within top management and even architectural management that have this assumption of, oh, yeah, we've got the UA rooms. Oh, we've, you know, they're working from the SANS part S of the building regulations, mm. which really is incomplete and, mm. and not up to standards. But, so yeah. what they assume they are doing right and then having the attitude of not including the people to really cross-check, yeah. makes it that buildings are still going up in this day and age that is completely would be scrapped in terms of access, Gosh. universal access. I and mean, that's depressing. It, especially, as you said, yeah. when budget has been allocated to, to them, it, and then they yes. get it wrong. I mean, it's just a lose-lose. Yeah. So we talk about Jamie's story. Yeah, I yes. want to comment on that because that's, <laughs> that issue goes beyond just inclusion. That's like an entrepreneurial issue. Like, with, and we call it the hired paid person's opinion. Yes. We board members make decisions in the boardroom and because whoever gets paid the most, they just say, oh, we're going to do this idea, pump money into it, they take it to market and nobody wants it. Yeah. yeah. And that's why as an entrepreneur and as an entrepreneur sitting here, when we do things at Loop, 
we make sure we understand our users first. Yeah. And that's also how we came across working in for different able people. Yeah. So you can ask me a question. Yeah, we got to start with how <laughs> Loop came to be. Yeah. Okay, sure. So Imtiaz um, Riley, who is the, the founder and CEO of Loop, um, he came to me about two years ago. And he was telling me about the idea he has in the taxi industry. On, so Imtiaz is a third generation taxi entrepreneur. His uh-huh. grandfather yeah. was in the taxi association. His father is still in the taxi association. They actually had the elections today at the offices for the um, Mannenberg Association. And he's seen what's happened for taxis. Uh, one story he mentioned was how his dad would call him up in the morning, like nine o'clock after peak time, and say, come stand outside and hand him a bag of money. And at the time, he didn't understand. He took the bag of money. There's passengers in the taxi, and the taxi will drive off. He's able to drive off the passengers. And he realized afterwards that the taxis are also driving through gangster areas. And if they get to drive around with all this day's earnings, his father might come home with nothing. Yeah, because they've been targeted. Yes. Sure. So he came to me with that, that concept, and I said, okay, that's great. Because he's trying to understand and figure out, so why is technology not being used yes. in the taxi industry? And I said, cool, great shot. Let's have a look at this. And my role is in design thinking and validation. So people come to me with, well, that time I was at, had a company, people came and they had the ideas, and my job was to validate, is this a good idea or not? And the pr- approach we use is, let's understand who is all in this ecosystem. So we spoke to taxi commuters, we spoke to taxi drivers, taxi owners, association, government, and in the commuter space, it's also about people that are differently abled, mm-hmm. that are also commuters. Mm-hmm. also. And there were so many problems with public transport in our country, where then had to look at, okay, so out of all these problems, which ones are we gonna actually fix? And we gave each problem a scoring to look at which ones we want to solve, which ones are we able to solve, which ones are profitable to solve, and do we even have the capability to solve this issue? And the top three problems we looked at solving was the payments, so looking at how do we do cashless payments, then the accountability and the um, of if something happens to me in a taxi, or if I'm a different labeled person, how does how do we operate in this space? Because right now, we've heard taxis drive past a person, even Ubers yeah. drive drive past you and that also to told me. us yeah. Yeah. yeah, really. Um, and it's not just the case of people that's definitely abled, as in mobility in wheelchairs, but people that are deaf, people that are blind, oh. audibly impaired, visually impaired, um, people with, that are mentally challenged, people that have anxiety issues. Even me when I took a taxi, asking the asking the driver for your change, I'm sure. <laughs> a lot of people can relate around the anxiety of saying, please stop by this next robot driver. So we looked at how do we facilitate um, the accountability. And the last one was also being able to know where your taxi is. We have geolocation. If you look at Uber, the mm. systems work. Mm. And we didn't want to come in and, like when people hear about us, I think we put new taxi on the road. We're literally working with the current existing taxi drivers on the road. There's 400,000 taxis, opera- legal taxis, operational <laughs> <laughs> on the road. Um, so the, the access is there, the ability is there. And the big issue we also looked at is the financial exclusion. Because from the stats wise, and maybe Ted can even back me up on this, a lot of different labeled people aren't able to get into top careers. Mm. So it's a struggle financially. Mm. And now the the bad thing about that is you're struggling financially, but you have to pay even more for a vehicle that can get you somewhere. Transport. Yeah. Mm. Whereas public transport exists and public transport is the most affordable means of transport. Yeah. We had one of the, the commuters we interviewed um, telling us how he has to get to work. The work is less than five kilometers away and he struggled to take a 
public transport because some of the taxis drive past and, and all these other issues. And he spends about um, 80 bucks on an Uber if Oi. the Uber actually accepts versus being able to spend 12 bucks on a taxi. So yeah. that's the thing. And it's not, it's not even... It's work that I'm gonna say the job. I'm not gonna say the person, but it's working at um, at pick and pay as a, one of the packers because that was one of the jobs he was uh, able to obtain. Yeah. So the earning the earning potential is low, but the expense just to live is so high. Just to access the job yeah. is yeah. is a huge chunk. So of what, it, yeah. what we've built on our end is utilizing WhatsApp because we also realize the the mid and low income market don't always have the capacity for more apps on their phones. Okay. So we thought what, what technology already yeah. exists. Excellent. So we fitted um, our taxis that are loop enabled with tracking devices. Um, and then we, with that, we're also now able to introduce Wi-Fi in the taxis for more inclusion, more connectivity. But you're able to use WhatsApp to be able to pay for your taxi. Ah. Yeah, so... The you're solving a lot of problems. Yes, there's a lot of problems yes. all at once. But what I want to mention about the payment People have tried digital payments in the minibus taxi industry before. And the issues, just like I'm saying with the highest paid person's opinion, banks tried this, they failed. Because they didn't understand the taxi driver. A taxi driver needs to get paid the cash. And it's not about them trying to work, they want cash, people always say, oh, they're trying to avoid tax. When we ask the drivers about tax, they don't even know about tax. You know, the, they get taxed by the gangsters, that's the tax that they get. Oh. But the issues that they have is, we're not competing with digital, we're competing with cash. If I get cash right now, the transaction is easy, there's no transaction fees, I have my money right now. For a taxi driver, they need to put in fuel today, they often need to pay their boss today, they have to go home and feed their family today. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna tell me as a bank, use this tap to pay service, use this banking service, and you must wait two days for your money. To clear, yeah. And also, I wanna add a transaction fee on that. Not gonna work. Not gonna work. Mm. So we built a system where we have our own ledger that doesn't run on the banking bills. So you can load up your, your money on WhatsApp as a commuter, and you can now pay for the week, the month, you can top up as much, much funds as you want, someone else can even pay for your taxi fare. And through this platform, that via WhatsApp, we call it chat to pay they can pay immediately in the system, and the driver has access immediately to the, to the and money. And they hear it because they, there's a ping and they know it's, yes, it's there. Chat to pay, yeah. that's so yeah. clever. Incredible. Beyond that, we've also partnered with Visa, so now we can have, we do have tap to pay as well, so you can use your cards to pay for the taxi and you can load funds with your cards. So it's more about creating this inclusivity and creating access to more people. Because I would say some people don't always carry cash and cash is a risk, not just like I mentioned to the taxi driver, but also as a commuter. Yeah. We're going to pause there to just quickly go to the news and then we'll come back to continue the conversation. If Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. WhatsApp on 072-567-1567. So we are back, and just for those who might be uh, coming in late to the conversation, we are revisiting the subject of disability access and flipping the script from dealing with complaints about things that go wrong to talking about solutions. With us in studio, uh, two local business people who have come up with innovations to try and lower the barriers for people living with disabilities. Taryn Tomlinson is the founder of Able to Travel. It's an AI-assisted app that is still in development phase, but which is going to use geolocation to help somebody find a wheelchair-friendly restaurant or hotel or transportation or access to someone to assist with uh, fixing a wheelchair if if something is broken, for example. And then also with us, Jamie Thurston-Vainhart, who's one of the co-founders of Loop Paratransit e-hailing. Now, just before the break, Jamie was telling us how their solution of allowing a WhatsApp-based payment platform for taxi use is fixing all kinds of different challenges, uh, many, many birds with one stone. Jamie, specifically for the person with a disability, tell us a little bit more about how Loop helps. 
So people that might be differently abled, like for instance, with our WhatsApp payment system, yeah. if you audibly impaired or visually impaired, you can still use your, t- your use your phone as a means of payment versus using cash. Because sometimes people that Take are advantage. able, yeah. yes, they get taken advantage of with cash. And you've heard very bad stories of people being robbed. Um, they literally get targeted because they see them, they, they can't fight back. Yeah. And now with the, with the loop enablement, and as we add more tracking devices on the taxis, we can even pre-book a taxi for you, or the most appropriate taxi. Yep. Beyond that, and we, the challenge comes in with people that taxis drive past when they see that you have a wheelchair crutches, is we're doing driver training. So we're enabling our drivers, and I'm gonna tell you why drivers even want this, yeah. is that we rate our drivers. And there's two parts to the business. It's the side where we're able to do the normal transport, mm-hmm. but we also have access, because we digitally enable this taxi now, they have access to private trips. So corporates are able to book out the normal uh-huh. minibus taxis at the way more affordable fee than what you'll pay for a shuttle service. And the taxi drivers like this because now they're guaranteed that they, the seats are full, they don't look for customers, and they get paid for the entire vehicle. But we only give those trips to the top tier drivers. Uh, so for you to become a good driver, you get rated by, by your driving. So you're driving well, you're not speeding, not taking harsh turns, you're keeping your vehicle clean, you're also picking up, based on your training, being able to acknowledge and pick up people with disabilities, and that enhances your rating. Your rating. rating in there. Yeah. Oh, clever. So it's it's a case of incentivizing good driver and good driver behavior, but also it makes sense money-wise. We're not just, the money's not coming from nowhere. It comes from being able to get access to private trips, which the taxi industry never had access to before. Yeah. Just want to say Nikki Abdenor's sent a message through on the WhatsApp line to say, great conversation. I can't wait for your app to be ready, uh, Tara. Nikki, of course, herself a very vocal activist uh, for people living with disability because she herself has endured so many of these experiences that Tara, you were mentioning earlier of arriving to find that places are not what they said they were in terms of accessibility. Taryn has said she's going to plough her prize funding from the SAB Foundation Disability Awards into the ongoing development of the app. What about you, Jamie? 550,000 rand in prize money. What's that going to do for Luke? Scale. So we don't charge the commuters for utilising our service. We just look at doing things from the private trip side, but it costs us to onboard a taxi. So we're going to be using this money to add more taxis onto the onto the system. So it's our branding, the driver training. There's two types of training we do. So it's yeah. the inclusivity training and also financial inclusion training. So teaching taxi drivers how to budget, manage their finances. And a lot of them don't have any assets because they can't go to a bank mm. to get assets. So we're teaching them how to purchase your first asset as well. That's and along with the tracking device in that too. Because the, the economy for the taxi industry is huge. It's not just the taxi driver, it's the merchants, it's the the entire system. And we can see how we can infiltrate the system and make it make it a big better economy for so us. So will those ones have your logo on them? How would we see them in the traffic? That's how, how you identify a loop okay. taxi and if someone does something wrong, please yes, tell us. Exactly. <laughs> so they'll have the, the loop stickers on the taxis. Right now we're operational in the Western Cape. Okay. But we are going to be expanding to KZN and Johannesburg and Swane. Um, we're on the Mowbray Athlone and Mitchell's Plain, and I, I'm, I'm mixing up the routes here, <laughs> the Manneberg to Cape Town route, is Manneberg, Athlone, Mowbray, Cape Town, and we're on the, the Balville to Mitchell's Plain route, and we're onboarding route by route. From the paratransit e-hailing side, you're able to hail a taxi for anywhere in the Western Cape, and we're working oh. with call centers, we're working with um, private people taking, booking the taxi for trips. It's more affordable, mm-hmm. and we're giving the work to the taxi drivers. One big thing we're also solving is so when people book out private shuttles, it goes into a community and it's fighting. 
um, because they, the taxi driver feel this taxi doesn't belong here. It's encroaching mm. on our so work, yeah. what we do is we assign the tips based on the destination. So if a trip, if a taxi for, for instance, a, a airline taxi for a call center okay. has to go to Mitch's plane, we give that so tip to Mitch's plane driver. Yes. System. Yeah. We literally enhance the entire industry because it doesn't make sense to us when, they, when these taxis do exist, why they're not being utilized. What we do, however, we vet the driver, PDP, charter permit, license, we vet the vehicle, is the vehicle neat enough, is the vehicle roadworthy, and then it becomes loop-enabled taxi. So just to add to what Taryn said earlier about the the sort of the the quantum of users being bigger than you might think. It's not only about access for people in a wheelchair. Here's a great comment from someone saying, I have this regular problem with e-hailing drivers who don't want to pick up people with baby chairs mm-hmm. because yeah. it takes time to put the and chair space. in and fasten it in. Yeah. And uh, they don't want to wait because time is money. So uh, again, um, as you said, the, the number of people impacted by innovation like this is bigger than you might think. So, okay, let, let's wrap up with some, some sort of contact details. If, if somebody listening to this interview let's start with you Jamie while we're on loop if somebody wants to book a loop taxi how do you do that you can go to looptaxi.co.za that's for the private trips you can get us on Instagram loop taxi app you can get us on Facebook you can get us on LinkedIn we're on X the former Twitter so we're everywhere yeah. And what we also want to look at is helping more corporates because we can help you save money. A lot of time and energy goes into planning staff trips, but we built software to automate this entire system as well. Okay. So if there's corporates out there that need to have the tra- their staff transport for a more affordable rate and also empowering the taxis that are actually operational, we can be there for them. On approved routes. Yes. Okay, looptaxi.co.za. That's a huge selling point. Uh, there's been so much drama over that issue over the years, so that's great to know. Looptaxi.co.za. Taryn, coming back to you. So able to travel, the app's still in development, but yes. um, if somebody wants to reach out to you, engage with you, make suggestions, find out more, well, Yes, absolutely. So yeah. we are currently, we do work within the tourism industry, so yeah. people can contact us as a concierge service and ask us for help, uh, and we will be able to advise, and so we also work with tour operators as well we've coming into summer season now mm-hmm. so two operators can reach us and you can reach us at info at able to travel and that's the numeral two mm-hmm. uh, able able to travel.co.za and then we are also on instagram we are on facebook as well and it's simply able to travel uh, and then for the telephone uh, 0789 and I've jotted down all of those details. So if somebody's listening on the road and you couldn't take them down, you're welcome to email me after the show and I'll gladly pass them on. Uh, I think we've just been live on Instagram during the interview. Yes, even. we have. Uh, <laughs> give a shout out to all the people that are, are watching us on Instagram. Yay. Yeah. Thanks on the Taxi app on Instagram and also on the SAB Foundation. A big shout out to the SAB Foundation, not just because of the Absolutely. money, but because of the relationships we've all in. It's wonderful to see the, the, the collaboration and the, the shared passion for making the system better. So thank Thank you both of you for coming in today. Thank you to the SAB Foundation for helping to enable further progress in this space. And best of luck to you, Taryn Tomlinson of Able to Travel and Jamie Thurston Van Gaat of Loop Paratransit e-hailing. All success to the businesses. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. Call now on 021-446-0567. Lovely, uplifting conversation, Wendy. How nice to be able to focus on positive solutions-based thinking rather than dif- uh, absolutely, for a absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure we will come back to to those initiatives in absolutely. coming months and years. Yeah. For our next topic, unfortunately, we are back to complaints. <laughs> this is as usual. Yeah, but it is. It's an interesting one. This we're talking about buying new technology, Wendy. Yeah. So. 
the reason that we have a, a, the benefit of a week's cooling off period as a result of or if we if we buy something via direct marketing, so for example, a telesales call, they catch you off guard and they tell you sell you something that you can't, um, you know, look at the documentation pertaining to it or touch the hardware or whatever. Or if we buy online, same thing applies. We can't interact with the product, so we get that week's uh, cooling off period, so we can cancel within seven days for a refund. Um, and you know, get out of get out of that contract. But if you go to buy something in a shop, it's you don't have that benefit. You, yeah. Unless the goods are defective, you have no automatic legal right to take them back. Which is why it's really, really important that you take advantage of your right to interact as fully as possible. Um, but this is something that so few South Africans get. Um, they think because so many stores have voluntary return policies uh, around change of heart or non-defective goods that it's it's your right to take something back uh, because you didn't try it on in the store you didn't look at it properly or whatever and it isn't and if they do take it back mostly you don't get a refund you get a, a credit note or a, an exchange or something so so that's the background to to this uh Story and um, yeah, it pertains to tech. Yeah, so particularly important when you're buying tech, obviously, because uh, it's very expensive for one thing. And Wendy, this applies whether you're paying cash or taking out a contract on a telecoms item. Exactly. So if you if it involves cell phones, tablets, laptops, you really don't want to be settled with one that really isn't a good fit for you. And Pippa, I get this so many times. People sign the contract in a store, walk out get home, start interacting with a new cell phone that they were so excited about. But it just, subtle things, the, the, the tabs are too small or the it, it, it's a system they're not familiar with yeah. and they felt that little bit uh, rushed or pushed into buying it by the salesperson. Um, but you cannot, oh, but I took it back with the same day or the next day. It doesn't matter. You, you, you don't have the right committed. to do You don't have yeah. the right to do it. So if they don't have the product in store, don't commit until you've, actually had a chance to interact with it because you won't have a, a chance to get out of it. If, You're not guaranteed that, that no. right of return. And yeah. mostly I get, to, well, I just say from the ones and there are many of them who weren't able to do so. And that brings me to this week's case study. So Jackie Vanetti emailed me a few weeks ago about her experience at MTN in Cavendish Square. Um, actually, she she didn't email me specifically, which is what normally happens. She emailed MTN complaining about her experience and she just copied me okay. so she wrote i explained sorry i walked into your you're being empty in your empty in shop in cavendish and ordered a tablet that i needed for traveling overseas in december i explained to the consultant that i'd previously had a car break-in which made me aware of leaving expensive items visible in the car so i wanted to buy a tablet that i could put in my handbag and not have to leave in the car she wanted the tablet uh, S8 Plus because it also came with a pen. The consultant did not explain to me that it's a very, very big tablet. It wasn't in the shop on display and I think that the consultant herself hadn't seen it uh, and didn't know what it looked like. She didn't know what she was selling me. If she did know, then she should have advised me that it would not fit in my bag because it was quite large. Also, had it been on display, I would have seen the size of the tablet compared with a normal size tablet. When I went and collected it on the 12th of August, another consultant opened the box and checked that it had everything in it. I noticed that it had a bigger screen, but thought I would check out the tablet when I got home instead of looking at it while the consultant was balancing it in the box and on his keyboard. Okay, okay. so that was mis- that was her huge mistake. She had the opportunity and the right, certainly, to have a good look at that tablet. In the store. In the store. She was assuming it would look like every other tablet that she'd had before or engaged with or seen or whatever. 
but it wasn't. So you could argue maybe there was an onus on the on them to say, well, it is extra big. You know, do you want to check? But the point is, she didn't. She didn't act, activate her right to, no. to engage with an in-store. She said, which I'd had look at it when I got home, yeah. which okay. is after the deal is done, signed, and, and, and the contract operable. So two days later, she returned it in its box to be told that, and she told him, this is more of a computer than a tablet. And she was told, sorry, you can't return it. Um, and she was aggrieved because she's been with MTN a very long time. So she emailed them and she got a hard no. I've seen that contract saying if you'd done it via direct marketing, um, you would have had an out, but now you don't. Okay, so, so this is a tough one, Wendy, because as you've pointed out, and as you pointed out to Jackie in your reply to everybody, she she was, she did have an opportunity to handle it, to look at it, to take it out the box and see it while she was still in the store. It was her mistake that she didn't do that. At the same time, though, there the way some, it was handled was yes, a little bit less than ideal. Yes, yeah. so this is what I did, and I don't normally do this. I did a reply all, so to Jackie and to the MTN, and, and to not to reply all. I replied to Jackie and, I, and then I copied um, the, the person at MTN who's mandated to deal with media queries and who I deal with all, with okay. all my MTN queries. So I said to Jackie, you know, um, alas, you did have the opportunity to view the tablet. You just didn't take advantage of it. And that's why you are not legally entitled to a cancellation of that contract. But to MTN, I said, salespeople, in, in that same email, so Jackie yeah. could see it, salespeople should be trained to hand devices to clients to make sure they are happy with their choice. This is the advantage of in-store transacting and consumers should be encouraged to take advantage of it and, and, and be told of the repercussions of them not doing so. Yeah. What would MTN stand to lose, I said, by cancelling the contract and allowing Jackie to take out one for the same amount or more per month with a device that she will actually use? It's called customer service. An ideal customer experience should be a combination of legal requirements and a meaningful connection with the customer. And I thought, well, let's see what happens. Put it out there. Well, what happened? Well, I'm happy to say that MTN got back to me to say that Jackie's tablet contract had been reversed and they invited her to go back to an MTN store to sign a new contract with a tablet of a size that she actually needs and wants. And we've got Jackie with us on the line now. Jackie, thanks for joining us this afternoon and welcome to the show. So in the end, you were able to return that tablet, but only after getting Wendy involved. I mean, you've you've probably learned a lesson from this experience. Uh, what would it be? Could I Afternoon. <laughs> oh, hi. Let me tell you, that was an expensive lesson. Okay. That nearly cost me thirty thousand. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I'm very happy that that um, Wendy was able to sort it out because I really felt that I was in the right. They sold me something that I did not ask for. Yeah, there was that as well. A, a, a possible element of mis-selling, but very hard to prove, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah. Th- that's the problem with these p- face-to-face. The, the, all that's left is the contract and you putting your signature to a certain tablet and, and, and you know undertaking to pay a certain amount every month until it was paid off. So for 24 months, or was it 24 or 36? What? I can't remember. Yeah, that's some people don't yeah. even look. That's the other thing. Always check because now we because these, this tech is so expensive, often it is over 36 sure. months. Yeah. But um, I also I do think, thank you for the for the um, for your email because I did feel it was a good opportunity to put. They didn't sort of go speak at all about the issue that I was raising about how the, this 
store staff should be trained to say for sure this is I you agree did, with that you. was what made me take it up because you did say to the person although it can't be proved I specifically no, sure. want one to put in my handbag I don't know whether the dimensions of your handbag were discussed versus the, <laughs> the dimensions of the laptop <laughs> the tablet yeah, but that kind of thing you know a good salesperson for would sure. do that you you would have signed um, whatever the tablet was you just wanted the right one it wasn't like you were going to exactly. walk out exactly you know yeah. to me a tablet was a tablet yeah. I didn't think that I would get a tablet that the screen is bigger than my laptop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we're warning everybody else, make sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Jackie, exactly. thanks. But so I must thank you so, so much, Wendy. Really saved welcome. me. Thank you. And, and happy travel. Safe travel. Yeah, safe trip thank to you. you. Jackie, thanks for joining us. And yeah, Wendy, it's I mean it's 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 a lesson that was almost a very costly one. And it's not nice to put yourself out there and say, I made a mistake in the store. But Jackie, thank you for being willing to do that and have us share this case study so that others can learn from that experience. So the bottom line is never Assume leave the nothing. store without checking yes. what is in the box. Assume nothing. And also I no. would say, you know, they must have, if it's a phone and they don't have a demo one in the store for you to, in, to interact, interact with, with, rather do it over, over the phone. And that way you have that cooling off period. Um, mm. Assuming you got the phone within that cooling off period, which we, you mostly would within a week, but I get so many emails from people, Pippa, that who took an, a, a, a piece of tech, usually a cell phone, um, and usually not not always someone of a certain age. Sometimes a, a husband will buy one for for the wife, and she doesn't like it, and then they I had one of that one of those just this week yeah. as well, saddled with something they don't want, expensive lesson kind of thing. So yeah. so don't be fobbed off. Don't don't sign until they can actually put a phone in your hand because you can't use the, you don't want to open the box and unseal and whatever if you're not going to take it right but yeah. they must by the same token we're that's what we what the consumer protection act entitles at, us to the ability to interact with something before we commit to it so especially something you're going to be using closely uh, you know in our case all, all day every day yeah. um you must be able to check that it's, it, it does suit you unless you you know like i am just got onto the iphone train and there you stay for the rest yeah, of your yeah. days but you know especially if you're trying a different model um don't commit don't don't go by the salesperson's word you must try it out yourself please wendy thank you for raising that uh, case study with so that others can learn from jackie's near miss them so glad that in the end it was all resolved to everybody's happiness thanks for all the work you do of that uh, of that kind for our listeners and we look forward to chatting to you again next week wednesday thanks Pippa. just a reminder if you do want to raise a case with wendy the email address to use is consumer at nola.co.za and it's spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. She knows a lot about consumer affairs. nola.co.za.